Anybody remember from their uh, Hebrew lessons what the word hallelujah means? Everybody praise the Lord. Hallel. Everybody praise. Yah, Yahweh. What did Jesus say? If we aren't going to praise the Lord, who's going to do it? The rocks. I don't want the rocks praising the Lord. I want to be part of a group of people who have come to do that. Anybody remember the tells? Our missionaries out in Colorado, Bill and Sue Tell, we got to stay at their house. Every time Chris does this song, it reminds me of the Tells because in their bedroom that we get to sleep in because they give us the whole house and my kids stay there and we stay there and stuff, it says on the wall, Jesus knows me, this I love. And I just thought the first time I thought that, every time I come into worship, I am so glad that is true. That He knows me backwards, forwards, and inside out. And because this is the throne room of grace that we come into, He doesn't judge me because of my sin, but because of what His Son has done for me and for you. He not only allows us to come into His presence, but He's thrilled to have us here to talk to Him, to worship Him, and to put Him in the spotlight. Well, we've been talking this summer about kind of the foundations of our faith. We've been talking about God. We've been talking about us. We've been talking about sin and the law and redemption and salvation and and all those things. But most of what we've been talking about so far has been kind of on the individual level. Where do I stand with God? What about my sin? But today we're going to go corporate. We're going to start talking today about us. Not just me and not just you, but about how do we fit together in God's plan. We're going to talk about the church and what it is and hopefully why you and I are pretty glad to be part of it. And to start off, I thought we would get some expert help, so I sent some people uh, with a video camera to get us some help here. And now it's time for Kids Say the Darndest Things, the TV show where kids say the darndest things. Today's sponsor is The Bible, B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me, make it your book too. And now, the host of today's show, Heather Shepler. Thanks, Johnny. It's Jimmy. Jimmy. Heather Scheffler here, here in Foreverland, asking the question, what is the church and what is its purpose? We're here with Sarah. Sarah, what is the church and what is its purpose? It's like, it's God's house and it means a lot to me and I think it means a lot to other people. Amber, what do you think the church is and what is, it, what is its purpose? Um, church is God's house and it means a lot to me, and it means a bunch. It means love and learn about Jesus. I think. Okay, Sarah. What is the church, and what is its purpose? It's God's home, and um, it's where you learn about God. Okay, Jacob. What is the church, and what is its purpose? Thanks. 
like Sunday school? What do you think its purpose is? For learning about Jesus. Thanks, Jacob. Hi, Erica. What is the church and what do you think its purpose is? Look at Mr. Jim. What's the church? That's the Sunday school. What do you think we do at Sunday school? All right. Thank you. Hi, Jasmine. Today we're asking kids, what is the church and what is its purpose? Alright, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, E.B. What do you think the church is? Scott's going to be here. What do you think the church's purpose is? What do you think the church is? And what is the purpose of it? A class? And what do you think its purpose is? And you heard it here at Forever Junior. Phoebe, what is the purpose of the church? Or what is the church and what is its purpose? You don't know? Okay, that's honest answer. Well, Johnny, I mean Jimmy, let's do one more big kid here. We've got Rodney. Rodney, what do you think the church is and its purpose? Um... Well, um, I know we eat there, but, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, that's it for the kids say the darndest things. What do you say? I wanted us to remember uh, two things. First of all, that while we're in here, there's a group out there that are doing something different. And uh, to be honest with you, as I have been a pastor in dealing with people who come to church, especially new people who come to church, uh, they don't really know what what is the point of this. I mean, it's they're honestly a little bit like some of our kids. Like, well, we eat here and... Uh, I know we learn about God a little bit, and we, we sure have a nice building and, and all of that, but that's not at the core what the church really is. So I thought we'd get a little better uh, standard for what we would talk about today, and we would look into God's Word and talk about the church and, and why it exists and, and what is its purpose in this earth. Well, we're going to start out with the Word itself. The word church comes only in the New Testament. You don't see it in the Old Testament. And it simply means a group or assembly of people. Before the church of Jesus Christ got started in you know, 33 AD, they used this word in the Roman Empire. And in fact, in the book of Acts, we see it used in chapter 19 when Paul was kind of preaching to people. It says the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some were shouting other. It was a group of people that assembled at that time to listen to Paul. And then a guy to kind of quiet things down comes on the stage and he says in verse 39, if there's anything further you want to bring up against this Paul, 
you got to settle it in a legal assembly. You can't just be having a riot here. you got to get a group of people together in a legal way to handle this guy who's preaching the gospel. So it was a very secular word. But when Jesus showed up, something happened. And that very secular word turned into something very special because it wasn't just another assembly or group of people. It was a group of people who were meeting under the lordship, under the headship of a very specific person. And obviously we know his name is Jesus. This isn't like, you know, you could belong to the Abraham Lincoln Society and it would be a group of people who gather and they're going to talk about Abe and they're going to read about him and maybe tell people about what a great president he was. That's not what the church is. We're not here just to talk about Jesus and what a great guy he was and he did some really cool things. This is an assembly of people who are personally led by him. Abraham Lincoln couldn't lead your Lincoln society. Jesus Christ, even though He isn't here physically with us, is literally leading this assembly of people. In fact, the first time the word is used in the New Testament is from Jesus' lips in Matthew chapter 16. He says, I will build My church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And we see two things in this very first statement, and we're going to take them backwards. First, he says, this, this assembly of people that are following me as their leader is never going to die out. It's going to last until God wraps this thing called earth up. People will come against it. We've seen that. Satan will come against it. We've seen that. But the church will never die. And that puts us in a very elite group. I bet everyone in this room who's my age or older can think of a group of people that they've belonged to that at some point it just kind of died out. Groups aren't necessarily made to last forever. This one is. But I know there's somebody in here that's going, now wait a minute. That guy you had preached from the North Central Conservative Baptist last week, his name was Pat, he said that there's like 70 churches a week that are literally closing their doors. I hear about it on a regular basis. Some little church that has 12 people left and they just decided, you know what, we're going to close the doors, we're going to sell the church, give whatever money we can to a mission organization, and we're just going to go find another church. Well, you have to understand that when you see the word church, there's little c and there's big c. Big C Church is the assembly of all the people that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's called the universal church. Everybody in this world, black and yellow, red and white, they're all precious in His sight, over there, here. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord for salvation is part of the universal church, the assembly of people who's following Jesus. And that will never die. Then, there's little c. First Baptist Little C Church. It's the church that happens to meet right now in the year 2012 at 700 South Capitol. That church could possibly close its doors at some point. Lord willing, it will never do that. 
We've lasted over 150 years and still going strong. But a little local church could end up having to close its doors. But the group of people that are following Jesus will never, ever end. Well, he says a second thing in here that's maybe even more important. He says that this church, this assembly of people, is His. It is an assembly of people like Congress. You know, Congress gets together and they all decide, okay, what are our rules? What are our values? Who's going to be our leaders? It's His church. And He's set up who's going to be the leader. It's Him. Who's, what are the values that this group of people that are following Me are going to hold? In Colossians 1.18, it says, And He, meaning Jesus there, Paul says, is the head of the body, the church. The New Testament talks about this group of people being compared to a body, like, like this thing. And He's the head. Well, what's a head on a body? It's the leader. Uh, Jesus is not only the one who got the thing started without Him dying and raising again from the dead. There would be no church. But He's the one who sits at the right hand of God right now, and He's leading it from heaven. He is the leader. He is the head. Then we read in the book of Acts that as the church gets started, uh, leaders were were formed in each local church to kind of help each local church. Acts 14, on Paul's very first missionary journey, says Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in every church and with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord. So Jesus is at the head of the whole church and in the local assemblies he wants there to be mature men who are leading that group of people that are following him. We have a lot of freedom uh, that church does it different than us, and we do it different than this church did 50 years ago, and, and they'll do it different in 20 years, and a lot of the things we have freedom about. But there are some values. There's some goals. There's some things that are called out specifically in the New Testament activities that God says, this is what this church is about. Here's the ones, there's, there's more than this, but here's the ones as I kind of studied the church and, and who it was and, and what it's about and its values. Here's what came out to me. First of all, they assemble regularly together for worship and prayer and teaching. Just this morning, in our little prayer group, we have about six of us who pray at 8.15. And by the way, you're welcome. It's not a closed group we meet in my old office down there at the bottom of the stairs just to pray for what's going to happen today and two of the members of our group were just kind of bemoaning i've got so many family members who call themselves christians and who i truly believe have trusted in the lord jesus christ for their salvation but they never go to church they're not they're not part of any local body that's meeting and encouraging each other in the teaching of the Word and prayer and fellowship. And the Bible says that we're not supposed to quit doing that. Acts 2.42, the very beginning of the church, when the people first got together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Hebrews 10 
says, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Boy, isn't that true. If you think it was important 50 years ago to meet together and encourage each other, it's going to be more important as we move into this society as the deacons met yesterday in a retreat that's going further and further from following Jesus. And if you think you can be a wonderful lone Christian, I'm there and I'm going to be there and tough for God and all that, good luck. We all need each other and that's the way God made it to be. It was never meant to be as like Roger on my dorm floor when I was at Iowa State. You know, his little island and he's going to be a Christian for the Lord. He meant it for a group to meet and encourage each other and come together regularly to pray and to worship and to fellowship. Second thing I saw is that we are to be about reaching others with His message. This isn't just about us coming together and encouraging each other and we get in a holy huddle and we sing Kumbaya and it's wonderful. But its purpose is that we get together and encourage each other so we can get the message about Jesus out to the world around us. Matthew 28, many of you know the Great Commission Jesus' last words on this earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And while you do that, baptize them, identify them with this group and with me, and and teach them all that I have commanded you so things will go well with you and and them. Acts 1.8 I think Jesus' last recorded words in the Bible before He went back to heaven. He says, You'll receive power, you disciples who were kind of waiting to get this church thing started. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, the area around her, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. That's my plan, Jesus says. The church isn't just, okay, we're here and I'm glad I'm saved and I'm glad I have my ticket to heaven, but we're here so that we can reach out to other people with the message of Jesus. Third, we're we're to be senders of people out to reach people beyond our own reach. We can't reach everybody in this world, but we can come alongside those who feel called to go to the areas that we're not part of. I mean, we can reach Pekin and Glassford and Peoria and East Peoria and North Pekin and South Pekin. We have a a range of people in our assembly that we really can reach out here. But what about Chicago? And what about Phoenix? And what about Haiti and uh, the other most parts of the earth? And we're to be a sending group to reach those people as well. In Acts chapter 13, The church of Antioch, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, his new name was Paul, for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them off. We we do that with short-term missionaries who go off, individuals and groups. We do that with missionaries as they come to visit us. We pray over them. And we're so thrilled you're in Cote d'Ivoire or in Rwanda, or in Japan, or wherever. We can't be there, but you can, and we're encouraging you and sending you out. This is one that 
People don't like to hear that much, but I read it all over the place in the lips of Jesus. We are to be a group of people that hold each other accountable for our life in front of the world. That as brothers and sisters in in an assembly, that that if I know you're really messing up and you don't care, I'm to come alongside you and say, what's up? And and, and that's not the way Jesus wanted us to live. And when you see it in me, you're supposed to come and and talk to me about it in love. Not not to shame me, not to judge me, but to help me to understand it and to turn me around. Matthew 18, Jesus talks about sin in the family. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Start with him. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take somebody else from the family with you, one or two others, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the whole church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I, as, as, as part of the family, have a responsibility when I see serious sin in the lives of my brothers and sisters and, and it impacts me to come to them and say, this is not right and, and we need to work this out and, and you need to turn around and, and if they won't, I grab some other people. Help me to, to find a way to reach my, my sister or brother here and if they won't listen to the three of us, then we bring it to the whole church and say, look what's happening. This is such a, a spit in the face on God and, and the name of Jesus at First Baptist Church. We cannot allow this. And if they will not listen... And I've never been part of this here. I was part of it one time in a ministry when I was young. We literally had to ask these people to leave our church because their sin was so bad and they would not repent from it. Not that we didn't love them anymore, but out of love for them to make it clear of how big of a deal this was and out of love for the name of Jesus, we say we have to do this. But I love the way Paul puts it to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, I've written to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. That's what he wrote. But I did not mean the people of this world who were immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. God doesn't want you to not hang around with immoral people. But, verse 11, I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother. Somebody that is in your family. One of the the members of your family that is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat. And then the part that I think most Christians get backwards. What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? They're just acting like pagans. They don't have the Word of God to tell them how to act and they don't believe it when it's read. So why would they act any different? Are you not to judge those who are inside? God will take care of them It is your responsibility as part of this family to confront somebody who's a drunkard or a liar 
or a swindler and, and is bringing shame to the name of Jesus. We are to hold each other accountable for our life lived together. But maybe the most important thing I saw in the church that is just talked about over and over and over is that Jesus wants every member of His church to be actively sharing the gifts that He has given them because that's how He's decided this group should function. And I've preached on this many times, but obviously some people in this room either weren't here or they weren't listening. Because there are people in this room who don't do a thing. They are part of our church in name. Maybe their name's on a list. Maybe they have a certain chair that they're always in and and they come and worship the Lord. But they have never come to the place of saying, I'm an active part of this family. Do you remember when we said at the beginning that Jesus is the head of the body? Well, if He's the head, what, what does that make us? Well, obviously we're the rest of the body. We're the other parts. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul talks about the supremacy of Christ and that He's the supreme ruler. But what does that make us? It says Jesus has been appointed as the head over everything the church, which is His body. So we're His body that He's the head of. And then Paul goes on and explains in many places, what does that look like? How am I a body part? How am I a member of this thing called the body of Christ? And we're not going to go to all of them and we're not going to read all the verses, but if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one in the seat ahead of you or over one. We're going to be on page 1136. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Page 1136. He spends three chapters explaining this. Christ is the head. We're the body parts. God's made us to fill out the body of Christ and and have that body able to do the things the head wants it to do. Jesus isn't much into skywriting with angels. He's into the people that are following Him doing the work of the ministry that He's called them to. So look down at verse 12, chapter 12. It says, The body, of course, of Christ is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all of the parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. As members of this local body, there's a lot of parts to it. Jesus is the head, and there's many parts, but we're all in the same body. Look down at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Some of you are toes. Some of you are elbows. Some of you are spleens. I'm joking, but you understand in a body it has different parts that do different things to make the body work. What happens... In the morning, if I wake up, I literally, being 53, wake up and as I'm telling the Lord, thank you for the day and thank you that my feet are still working. I'm really glad about that. Because there could come a day when they're not. But what if my feet just said, well, 
I, I don't want to take part today. Just go off and do what you want to do. That wouldn't work very well, would it? It'd kind of affect the rest of the body. But the eyes or the legs or the knees, whatever, are, are parts and they have functions in this body of Christ. And he explains that this function is kind of wrapped up in what he calls a spiritual gift. God's gifted you in certain ways and you share that gift with the rest of the body so the body functions well. Look back at the very first verse of chapter 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. Jump down to verse 4. There's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit who gives them. Everybody who's trusted Christ has the Holy Spirit living in them. When they came to know Jesus and the Holy Spirit came into them, they were given certain gifts and abilities to serve the body of Christ. And before he goes into the list in verses 8, 9, and 10 of here's some of the gifts that have been given, especially to the early church to kind of make it work right, notice what he says of why these gifts were given. Verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit, your gift is given for the common good. This gift of yours wasn't given to you so that you could just be happy about your gift. It's been given to you so that you can help the body of Christ function the way Jesus wants it to work. So Jesus says, you know, I don't care how your other groups work. If you have a, 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 a party that you belong to in, in politics or you have a sports group that you belong to, or you're part of the moose or whatever, that group can, can operate any way it wants to. I, that's not my business. But if you call yourself part of the body of Christ, get me a soapbox here. This is how I want it done. And I've given every one of you some gifts and talents and abilities, and I want you to share them so that the common good is lifted up. So that the body of Christ that we call First Baptist Church works right. I was out at our new church planner's house up in Peoria on Friday. And we had women who were putting in stuff in the shelves, and we had guys... Some of us were standing around marking things. And we had other guys who were lifting heavy things and moving. And the, the, the welder that came with our church planner, he just said, I'm so excited about this church plan. I don't know what's going on. I'll go find a job in Peoria and I'll weld there. I can weld anywhere and I'm going to help with this church plan. We moved him into his apartment. He stood there with his jaw on the ground. I didn't know how I was going to get this done. And we had a 70-year-old, a 60-year-old, a 53-year-old, the 40-year-old, I won't go into the ages of the women that showed up, helping them get it done. And in an hour and a half, we had them all unpacked. They could have done it themselves, I guess, with two little kids. But the body of Christ just showed up. And none of us had tremendous spiritual gifts at that point that were that important. It was the physical gifts that were important at that time. But it worked. And Jesus says, that's how I want it to work. 
I want you to imagine seeing somebody walk up to you and they have one eye in this socket and this eye is gone. And you look at them and say, what happened to your other eye? Oh, it's in my pocket. It didn't want to, it didn't want to work today. Or you get out of bed and one foot says, no, I'm not doing it today. I'm sick of being walked on. You just hobble on the other foot for a while. Or you meet a person and their ears are kind of hanging from their shoulders and they're, I'm not hearing today. This is ridiculous. And then you get, man, if the heart's not showing up, then the whole thing is off. But Jesus says, this is how I've made this thing to work. And you can have your opinion when it's your group. This is my group. And I have given people who are part of it, gifts and talents to be shared with the rest of the people. If you were counting on me to get a cross in the baptistry, we would still be waiting. And when it was done, you would walk in and go, but I'm sure glad there was somebody with gifts in that area who said, you know, I can do that. And just did it. And my wife would no sooner get up here and teach and preach or even in front of a small group of women than the woman on the moon. But we have people in this church who would say, God has gifted me in the ability to teach the Word of God to others. You may sing like an old goat. My best friend from college came to know Jesus at 24, and the first time I stood next to him, I was just like, oh my word, you talk about making a joyful noise. But it doesn't matter. Because we have people like Shelley who sing really well and who can lead us in our worship of the Lord. A person might, right next to you may just get heebie-jeebies about thinking about holding babies. But they, I, I can do teenagers. Or, the, or vice versa. doesn't matter. Because the God-ordained plan is when everybody contributes. And everybody is part, not just sitting, but doing something and contributing something It all gets taken care of. Now I know some of you, especially in the second service, but in this service as well, some of you are new to this church thing. You weren't brought up in the church like I was and like many people here were. You didn't have moms and dads who modeled for you being part of something and giving of their time and talents and and money to, to this thing called the church of Jesus Christ. And, and you're just kind of trying to figure this out. And, and that's okay. I, I'm glad you're here. But if you really want to be part of the family, you have to take part. You have to be somebody who's a body part giving to the whole. Or maybe you're somebody who used to come to church. And it's been a long time and now you're back. And you're saying, you know what? Now I'm kind of remembering this, and it's not just about a building. 
And it's not just about singing a few songs and dropping a few coins in a plate. It's about a group of people, an assembly of people who have gathered together to worship and then during the week to do the ministries that Jesus has called us to do. But what you need to hear today, and I asked Gala to find me some pictures for this, is that this church does not define itself as a fortress. It's not about the walls of the building. It's not about we're hiding from the rest of the world and we're just going to come in a cloister and do our thing. This church doesn't define itself as a country club. This isn't about people who are similar coming together and doing what similar people do and just kind of the big God white huddle, middle class. That's not what this church is about. We happen to have more whites and middle classes and stuff maybe because of where we are, but that's not what this church is about. This church defines itself as a family. A group of people who are together trying to do something. And some are in more leadership positions and some are in more service positions and following positions. And they regularly interact. If your only interaction is on Sunday morning, you are really not part of this church yet. I'm glad you're here. Don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled you're here. But you're really not part of this church. If Sunday morning is the only thing that you're interacting with, we help each other. We encourage each other. We were talking to Clyde this morning and 15 people must have asked Clyde, how's Betty? How's Betty? Why? Why do so many people ask Clyde, how is Betty? Somebody tell me why that happens. They are so interacted with the body. Everybody knows Betty had foot surgery. Not everybody, but they're just naturally interacting with the body in so many ways that their family knows about it. The pastor didn't even have to say anything and they'd know about it. But if you just come here on Sunday morning and sit in a seat and then go home, how would we know? Now you can tell me by email, you can call me, and I'm glad about that. But if you're part of the body... We're a family. We interact and we help and we encourage each other. This church defines itself as a hospital. A place where hurting people are welcome. And we intentionally help each other. First here, our first job is helping each other. And then out there, we, we have food pantries and we have divorce cares and grief shares. We're trying to grab our community and say, yes, we're here to help you too. But starts in here. We're helping each other to heal emotionally, physically, financially. This church is a mission agency. This happens to be a group of people that went to Haiti together. But it's a group of people who gather together and remind ourselves who we are so that we can all go out. Some of us went to Haiti that you can just go three blocks away to your neighbor or, or, or to the person you work with or to the person you go to school with and just share something of what God's doing in your life. And if God opens up the door, maybe you can share about Jesus 
and the salvation that He hopes that they eventually call on Him for. But maybe most importantly, our church defines itself as a body of Christ. We are parts. And He has said, I am the head. I know how this thing should work. I'll tell you what to do. I'll even tell you how to do it at times. And sometimes the Bible doesn't get so specific that we're, we're sure about that, but we get to some freedom to pick that. But he says, I'm the head, but you need to be the parts that are doing what the head has asked them to do. Not just to survive, but to thrive as a local church. And I would pray that this local church's doors would be open in another 150 years. Not so that people can think what a great church First Baptist is, but they can think about what an incredible Savior we have as the head. When I get done preaching, most people do not walk up to me and say, boy, am I sure glad you got good knees, Pastor Mark. Now that would be a problem if my knees weren't working, wouldn't it? But you don't think of those. And most people don't think of the body, but they think about the head and the mouthpiece of our church, and that is Jesus Christ. And we want Him to look good to the people around us. So I would say to those of you who are kind of sitting on the sidelines, when you're ready, we would love to have you take part. And not just be a person who comes on Sunday morning, but to interact and, and be part of the, the group that's giving of their time and talents. Reaching out together, sharing, connecting. There's all kinds of groups in this church. In fact, I'm wearing this again. Don't forget, if you just want to try out a group, there's one that's starting on September 9th for seven weeks, and then you can be done if you don't like it. Sunday school, Sunday night, a group that's going to study what it means to be connected with Christ. There's other kinds of groups that you could join and, and become something that's interacting with others. There's people in this family have been following Jesus for a long time. I've talked with women's ministries and men's ministries, and we have both women and men. If you would say, I need somebody to kind of come alongside me just personally. I'm not sure about this group thing, but how about somebody to help me understand what it means to be a Christian? Just one on We've got that too. You just have to call one of the pastors and we'll get you lined up. There's ministries of all sorts that you can be part of. We talk about them all the time. We're going to have a ministry fair in September to highlight them all. To just remind that I'm not just here to sing a song, to put my money in the plate, and maybe go to a quick Sunday school class. I'm here to share what Jesus has put inside of me and, and gifted me with so that the body of Christ works the way it's supposed to work. I'll get off my soapbox now. Let's pray. Father God, I am so glad that Your Word makes some things so clear, and this is one of them, of what Your body is, a group of people following Your Son and, and how it's supposed to work. He's the head and we're the parts. And Lord, I do pray for those 
who are part of our church in an official way, maybe on a, a membership role or maybe they have a certain seat that they're always in, but they're really not connected. They're really not playing part of a family. It's like they're in a family sitting in the corner in a chair just not taking part. And I pray that they would see that's not the way you made it to be. And I pray that not because Mark shamed them or embarrassed them or anything like that, but because your Holy Spirit prods them to become part of the family. Lord, would you help them to make a phone call or, or talk to somebody about how they could do that? And if they need help, we'll give it to them. If they know what they're good at and they just know what that will look like, we'll, we'll head them in the right direction. But God, we want to follow your lead in how this church thing works. And we want the doors of First Baptist Church to be open in another 150 years because the people have done it your way and are people who are interested in coming together so that we can share the good news of the gospel with the world and encourage each other and come alongside each other. Would you just be preeminent in this place in these days? And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Somebody tell me what's going to happen right now after I pray. Some people are going to go home. That, that's fine. Some people are going to go downstairs and eat too many donuts. Have a glass of juice or some coffee. And interact with some people that maybe they don't know. Some people are going to do that and then go to a Sunday school class and say, you know, I, I didn't get much interaction here. That's not what this is. With. We're, we're really interacting that way in here. I, I need a smaller group. To, if you don't know where to go, you stop out at that table out there and they'll tell you either today or on September 9th where you can go to, to join in with something so that you could be more of the body of Christ. Father God, as we leave this place, we know we represent you and and the real question is, are we going to represent you well or our own way? And I pray that each person here would really just want to do it your way and, and do it well. And, and I pray that you'd speak to each one of us wherever we are in that journey to help us take that next step. And we ask it in Jesus' precious, precious name. Amen.